Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler, coming at you with my co-host, Tom Lewis. And today, joining us, we have Alex Golden of PacersTalk.net and Setting the Pace. Alex, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well, guys. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm uh, I'm actually I'm sweating in my apartment right now. I turned my heat up way too la- too high, and uh, my dog is hopefully not going to be too loud in the background. I gave him a bone, but he's uh, he does not understand personal space, so uh, anything <laughs> is anything is possible. Yeah, no, that's that's for sure, man. Uh, hopefully, it cools down for you. I uh, I hate being hot. <laughs> so one thing that I want I want to start off with this has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but uh, I. Oh, I was I was getting ready to to walk my dog at about eight thirty this morning. I hop on Twitter and just out of nowhere, Quinn Cook and Kevin Durant are talking on Instagram Live about Lance Stevenson playing Victor Oladipo one on one for fifty thousand dollars. And first of all, I just thought that was the most comical way I could start off my morning. And second of all, I was like, "Geez, can we raise the stakes? I'll put as much money as I can on Victor. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I mean, yeah, Tom, you, you liked my tweet, but I was like, if if Lance plays Vic one on one, he'll go up three, uh, flex after a, an open shot, and then Victor gets an open dunk, and then he misses a wide open layup to to tie the game, and Victor wins easily. So uh, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, yeah that's good. Uh, I saw that. That's interesting. What are your thoughts, Tom? Uh, I, I thought it was funny. I, one thing I wasn't sure, where did that come from? I was thinking there was some kind of, uh, I was looking on Lance's Instagram or something, thinking they were having some interaction that I missed. Um, but, uh, you know, it'd be, couldn't have been, couldn't be more entertaining if those two guys were out there doing something like that. Um, I, I think the social distancing rules would be uh, violated, though, at this point. But uh, I, I'd have to like Vic on that as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it's like in Indiana right now, but in Ohio they have all the rims taken down, at least by me. So that's uh, I don't know what you know, spent, maybe they're playing a private one, but I've I've spent it's been my mission because my my younger son likes to still go out and get shots up, and we've been hunting around for hoops that aren't down or or places in in random neighborhoods where we can sneak in there and, and get some shots up. So uh, it, it's been. <laughs> I know. I know about three spots right now that <laughs> are, st- are still good within about five miles of my house. But it's been a struggle. Uh, I went to go help a friend uh, push a dead car, which was uh, that was the excitement of my day today. And uh, I found when I was walking past the church on the way back to my house, there's like a, a rim that's rusted all hell and bent at about a forty five <laughs> degree angle. So I mean, it's it's uh, but it's the best one I found. So it'll work. <laughs> um, so yeah, today. We're going to talk about some of the biggest, smallest, medium, whatever what ifs in Pacers history. Any anything goes. Um, I, I dug deep for some uh, some kind of minute ones, and then I went with some of the obvious ones as well. But I just figured it'd be some fun to talk about that is not coronavirus. So, uh, Alex, if you want to do the honors with starting off, it's your fifth one. Yeah. So I'll I'll start from the bottom of my list and work my way up, and I'll go with the small one here. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts. But what if Rick Carlisle never gets fired? Oh man, that is funny as heck. Uh, me and Tom were just talking about that before uh, before we hopped on here. Um, no, that was that's so interesting. As much as uh, as much as I love Nate and and I enjoyed Frank, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, Rick Carlisle is like a, probably a top ten coach of all time, and uh, we've seen his his what he's done on both sides with uh, with Dallas, and I think he would be just such a good fit here. 
as my dog is ringing the doorbell to go outside, but he already went outside, <laughs> so I don't know why he's doing that. Um, but yeah, he, he would have been just a perfect fit here long term. So it's uh, it definitely would be interesting to think about him still being here. What do you think on that, Tom? Yeah, and you know, I, I think expanding that, what if Rick Carlisle just took over from Larry Bird initially after the final season instead of bringing in Isaiah Thomas for a few years? Yeah. Um, I almost feel like he he may never may have never left. I know, you know, Carlo. You know, people say he's fired. He he wasn't in the rebuild that ended up having to happen. So, um, and I know also, you know, Bird talks about a guy staying. You know, his voice losing losing power after a few years. But I think that was just a good uh, excuse for Bird to step down. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe Carlisle would have been able to stick around um, throughout if he if he had taken over right away from from Bird. But um, of course, that would have been his his first foray, and, and it would have been you know taking over the a finals team. And it definitely is a great what if though. It's a what if I would like to see. I mean, he's one of my favorite coaches in the in the league um, to this day. So. Um, and you know, once he went to Dallas, he's he's been there now since what 2008. So um, he's 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 been there for the long haul and, and had pretty good success when he gets a good team around him. Yeah, definitely. And I think he's somebody who's always maximized the talent that he's had, and that would have been mm-hmm. pretty awesome in Indiana. But yeah, so I, I really like that one. You you pulled that one out early. I wasn't ready for it. Um, I think yeah. my number five. I, I dug deep for this one because I was a. Uh, me and Tom did a pod earlier this week on uh, the three teams that were closest to winning a championship. And I talked about how uh, Brad Miller could have been really useful on the 0304 team. And I was like, well, why wasn't he here? I did not realize how bad the Austin Crozier deal was. Um, as, as I know he's a beloved pace. He was a great bench player, but he got a seven year, $50 million deal. And obviously that's probably not quite enough to keep Brad Miller around. But if, if, if that, if that money's in play, Maybe Brad Miller's there. You have some extra strength in the front court, and you don't have to start Jeff Foster against Ben Wallace. Uh, definitely would change the 0304 series a little bit in the makeup of the team moving forward. Yeah, I mean, can you guys imagine Brad Miller there for the brawl? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point. That is a good point. I didn't think about the extra firepower in terms of uh, off-court stuff. Right. Well, that's just a little fun there. But but no, you know, you think about it. There's a lot of things that went into play with all the things that the Pacers did as far as Austin Crozier, and, you know, that contract was atrocious, and he had one good run there in the playoffs, in the 2000 playoffs, and, you know, we had just let Antonio Davis walk the year before, you know, if we keep Antonio, Austin probably doesn't ever see the court, so, you know, it's kind of funny how everything, you know, played into perspective there, but, yeah, you know, that's one, Brad Miller, I always thought that we kind of gave up on him too early, even though there could have been money issues. While Scott Pollard was a fine pro, I, I do think that Brad Miller was a much better center than, than Scott Pollard or Jeff Foster. And he had a nice little run there in Sacramento, but I really think you keep him with Artest, J.O., that team, I mean, that could have been the icing on the cake, you know, to really push Detroit and maybe get past them. I mean, it's, it's tough to figure out exactly what would have happened, but I really think that that was something that could have been debatable. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a few buttons within that. When you go back to Antonio Davis, you know, what if he was never traded and, and they never, you know, 
Jonathan Benjamin seemed like a great pickup at the time, but obviously that didn't work out. And that rolls into them, you know, making a deal with the with the Bulls and then Brad Miller's here with the, with the Pacers, and he definitely would have been a better fit because of his offensive ability, you know, with J.O. on those teams. I mean, I, I still feel like that yeah, Brawl team was good enough to get it done that year, but regardless, um, with this, they were at least able to, to get a, a sign-and-trade done to get something for Miller when they knew they couldn't get him. But, um, again, it go back, goes back to to the, you know, closure, the big contract that he earned in the finals as, uh, you know, a guy who was like, whoa, he can play power forward and he's making threes? This is crazy. Now, uh, now the Pacers are still looking for that guy. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> TJ Lee. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean. You don't have to go that deep. There's a... There's got to be some kind of a family tree there. Uh, but anyways, the you know skill that he showed um, in that finals and, and the, the problems that he gave uh, the Lakers because he was hitting those threes showed you know a different dynamic for the team and, and a way they could play. Obviously, it didn't, didn't last for much past the finals um, once he got that deal, and it just became an albatross. And that, you know, that, uh, there were a bunch of deals. At that time, the guys were signing so long, six, seven-year deals, and even when they were getting, you know, twenty-four million or whatever, it was just they just added up. And once once they were signed, they were just an albatross by the time they got done. That's why they've they fought to change the the way those contracts were laid out. But uh, yeah, Brad Miller was, was uh, I guess, one that got away there that really would have helped. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, who do you have at number? What do you have at number four, Alex? Number four for me. This is going to be an interesting one, but I have what if Paul George never asked for a trade and left after his contract was over? Ooh, that's a that is a good one. I think that uh, man, wow, that is a, uh, wow, that is a really good question because I actually I kind of thought about that a little bit today, and um, I think. As we kind of saw with Paul, as much as I, I, I've, I've been a Paul defender in my time, uh, I, th- I think that we we're pretty sure. I mean, he was not a, not going to be a number one guy. I mean, he was like a one and a half. He's an awesome dude as your second guy, but I think you know we bought him out as a 45, 48 win team at best if, if he's the number one guy. And um, I think we really lucked out by by being able to have the trade for Victor and Domas and the value we got back for Paul. Um, uh, yeah, I think that ultimately we would have maybe gotten lucky and, you, you know, we have you know, our front office is pretty good at, at putting guys around eventually. You know, sometimes not, you know, sometimes we have the Monte Ellis offseason year, but um, no, ultimately, I think that it would have been a lot of the same. Uh, like it would have been just kind of the 16 season where we lost to the Raptors in seven in the first round. You know, yeah. maybe we don't have as bad of officiating in the in the, in the next series, but uh, we, we can help. Right. Yeah, that's true. And I think one of the things that's interesting is, like, we all hate Paul George, or the majority <laughs> of the fans do, just because of how he handled everything. But if he never requests a trade, you know, we don't get Vic or Domas. And I think the Pacers are really, you know, they expected to already take a major step back after that trade happened. I mean, they would they would have been a lottery team. And, you know, you look at Miles Turner being the number one option more than likely, 
and you're probably not going to get veterans like Bowion and, and Darren Collison to come to the scene if you don't have guys like Vic and Sabonis in there to really help, you know, round out the team. So I think, honestly, like the Pacers being able to make the playoffs with that roster after they traded for Paul George and win 48 games for two straight seasons, it's really an, a major, it's a major blessing that Paul George did request that trade because if he doesn't, you know, we're a lottery team, and that's not really fun because the lottery the last couple of years has been hit or miss. And with our luck in the lottery, uh, <laughs> you know, the Pacers' luck in the top <laughs> ten, aside from Paul George, I mean, they haven't had the greatest luck overall. Yeah, certainly. And uh, that's actually kind of funny because my, my fourth one is going almost right along with that. I have on the Paul George trade, I don't, I don't know if you guys remember, but – uh, before we accepted the one for Victor and Domas, there was one in the works with the Cavs in Denver that would have sent Kevin Love to Denver and Gary Harris to Indiana. So we would have gotten, uh, I believe, Gary's from Fisher. Um, I mean, Fisher's. Okay, I'll, I'll be crucified for saying Fisher instead of Fisher's. But, uh, man, yeah, I mean, at the time in, in 2017, Gary Harris looked like he was going to be a, a future all-star. But unfortunately, he's uh, he's been plagued with injuries and um, some massive issues with his shot have, have come up. And, um so, I mean, looking at that, at the time, it looked like that would have been a much better deal for the Pacers. Uh, but that would have really, uh, down the line, been been a pretty pretty one-sided trade. So, I, I thought that was one that was really interesting to look at. And if you have that happen, then arguably uh, LeBron and PG stay as a tandem in, in Cleveland for a while. And that's another barrier to, to any kind of postseason success. Yeah, that's that's a great point, too. You know, I honestly never liked the Gary Harris trade, I always thought Gary Harris was good, but I never thought that it was worth Paul George. I mean, they would have given us a pick, I believe. If that, if I think that's correct, we would have gotten the Phoenix pick or something. I, what was that deal? That we yeah, I think I, I, uh, I don't have the deal up in front of me, but I believe there was a pick along with it. But I just remembered, yeah, because Gary Harris was going to be the center of that for right. uh, for the yeah. Pacers. Because that's the the 2018 draft. I mean, that's also when Boston was rumored to be interested in Paul George. And I was thinking, oh man, if we can get the third pick for Paul George to, or was it the second pick? I can't remember. Uh, Jason I think it was the third because they took, yeah. yeah. They took Jason Tatum because they traded back from one to three because it was Lonzo and Markel Fultz that went one and two. So I'm thinking the whole time, man, if we can get Jason Tatum, oh my God, like I love that deal because I was a big Tatum fan in college. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh great. And then we end up not making any trade. And drafting TJ Leaves, so I was like completely devastated after the 2018 draft. Like, what's going? On? What's going to happen next? And I was actually on the road making a road trip, uh, oddly enough, to Oklahoma when this happened. And I get a notification that we've traded for Paul uh, for Victor Oladipo and some bonus. So, <laughs> you know, I, I I would have much rather have taken the Oladipo bonus trade, even at that time, over Gary Harris because at least you're getting two for one. And I truly believed in Sabonis. I just felt like OKC was playing him out of position, trying to play him at the four next to Steven Adams. Yes, completely. I, I'd love to hear what you guys both think on that because I, I you know, I mean, I obviously I, I didn't expect Victor to turn into the player that he had been. Um, mm-hmm. But I had watched Domas play in college. I mean, he was just a monster at, at, at Gonzaga. And you could see already he had the floor vision. He was like, I mean, he ran the offense for them in, in college 
passed out of the low post like he does for us and was just an incredible player. And so when I saw him playing at OKC and I mean, he took more threes in that one season with OKC than I think he has his entire time as a pacer. Um, and it, obviously the results were not great. And so I was really excited because I, I knew with a different offense, uh, he would, he would really thrive in Indiana. And again, he's, he's completely outplayed my expectations, but, um, yeah, that was, I think initially that, that, that trade got panned. I mean, well, not, I think I know that trade got panned. Um, but oh, yeah. you know, I, I was higher on initially than, and I think a lot of other people were. Yeah, it was nice to get. Something for, for PG, obviously. I mean, that's the antidote to any venom against him <laughs> from Pacers fans. is like, could have been worse. But, um, I, you know, on the on the Gary Harris deal, it seemed like he had more upside before the deal was made. Uh, he's mm-hmm. younger and um, mm-hmm. just his dynamic and everything. But Victor came on so strong. And, I mean, his personality is so strong. Leadership, all these things that are not uh, trades for Gary Harris it is not even close right now. Who you who would rather have in that deal? Forget about the injuries and everything. Just, you know, the type of player and, and the way he's come in and being able to be the face of a franchise is so valuable. Uh, you know, right away filled that void uh, left by PG. And, you know, when you combine these two, Two issues, right? I mean, it would have been, it would have been trying to make those, uh, sign those guys like Thadion, Bojan, those type of guys, and you know when they were all signed, it was still kind of like, okay, well these are perfect veteran guys that at the trade deadline they'll be able to deal for some assets, and and then we can build from there. Well, you know they played so well they didn't want to trade them, so um, there's, you know, that's another little minor what if. In there as well. What if they didn't play so well? Um, who knows what would come out of that? But fortunately, they did play well, and they've been, you know, got something to build on. Yeah, yeah, we definitely, uh, definitely came out pretty good on the end of that trade. Uh, so, Alex, what do you have as your third? Uh, as your third? Yeah, so I'm going to go back to the NBA Finals, Lakers Pacers, and what if the Pacers win Game Four of the NBA Finals? How does that series change at all, if it does at all? And does it give the Pacers more of a chance to, you know, head back to L.A. with a 3-2 lead? Yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> the greatest you know, what if, I think. Uh, yeah. At that point, that close. gets washed over, you know? Well, my biggest thing with it is, you know, Kobe goes off that game in overtime once Shaq fouls down. I mean, you've got Shaq fouled out. You've got a great opportunity to tie the series. Now, we don't know how Game 5 plays out if the Pacers, you know, aren't up with their backs against the wall, three, you know, 3-1. So you never know what happens in Game 5 if they win Game 4. But, you know, if they win Game 4, now they put the pressure, you know, really on L.A. to close this thing out. You have Shaq at the most dominant he's ever been. Kobe coming through his own. And they've got a ton of veterans on their team. The Pacers were, you know, kind of, just hanging on because I don't even think that 2000s team was the best Pacers team in NBA history or in Pacers history. I mean, I think the 98 team was uh, quite a bit better. And I think that's because all those guys were more in their prime at this point, yeah. you know, most of the starters had passed their prime. You got an old Sam Perkins, Chris Mullen can barely run down the court. <laughs> uh, thankfully, Jalen Rose started to play a lot better at this point. And, and, you know, you still have Travis Beth out there. 
uh, dribbling the ball for 22 seconds, but you know, hit the big <laughs> shot when the when the time calls. But you know, you don't have Antonio. That's a big what if we already talked about. But yeah, yep. So personally, it's just like I think if they win that game, I mean, they could have easily made that a seven game series and really could have changed things. It would have been tough to get one of those ones in LA, but. You know, they were still quite. They were still in there for most of the game six. They just couldn't pull it out. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's really interesting because that kind of feeds into my third one a little bit as well. I had uh, what if Reggie shot the ball well in game one of of the two thousand finals? Because I mean, he was one of sixteen. Obviously, we lose by seventeen, but still, um, you think if if Reggie plays better, and I'm not trying to put everything on him, but uh, right. Yeah, I mean, Shaq had forty three and nineteen. That's not it's, it's, even if Reggie shoots the lights out. That's uh, that's tough. And I, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the trading Antonio Davis. If we don't trade Antonio Davis, obviously Antonio. I mean, he was he's six nine. He's a good post defender, but he's probably not going to hurt Shaq too much. But if we have that depth instead of having uh, Jonathan Bender, who obviously unfortunately didn't work out, but I mean, because that, that you know, Tom and I talked about that a, a couple days ago. The the, the real staple of that 98 team was the depth that they had off the bench. And I mean, Sam Perkins was a, a nice bench piece, but he, he was, he was old. He definitely could not contend with Shaq in the post um, and was not really a huge factor in the series. And if you have Antonio uh, coming off the bench, uh, that that's a massive massive upgrade there. Um, obviously, it's still. I mean, I, I would argue this version of Shaq, 2000 Shaq, is probably the most si- single most dominant player I've ever seen play the game. Uh, so even if we have you know the most perfect series, uh, I don't know if we even win it still. But I think that's a, definitely a huge question if if Reggie was able to get a shot off more. Yeah, I mean, that, I always felt that final series was a lot closer than you know it. It appears at the end that everyone, you know, just kind of assumes Kobe and Shaq rolled over. But, I mean, that, um, that game four was, was the monster. And, um, and they really, like you say, when Reggie came out so flat in game one, shooting wise, it, it, I think that kind of set the tone that, oh, this is just going to be a rollover. It, you know, it's, it's time to christen. This Lakers team with Shaq and Kobe, and the Pacers are just playing their role here. Um, but really, from that point on, it was a lot closer than, than um, I think people give it credit for. And you know, a few things here or there go the Pacers' way, and we have a, a series that you know could go seven games, and then you know who knows what could happen then. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think it totally just an aside, but since I watched this so recently, I uh it makes me think about how if, if we just played the game a little bit more like we do today, how interesting it would be. Because that was the the Pacers offense was the number one three point shooting offense and the best offense in the league that year. Um and if, if we just you just like you watch and you see Reggie and Jalen take some twenty footers just inside the arc, and you're like, if you're just a little bit farther back, just a little bit farther back. And we think too, I mean, uh like the way we defended the three as well. I mean, we, Glenn, Glenn Rice is one of the best three point shooters of all time. Shot third, 63% from three for the series. Uh, and you're just like, well, maybe if we can test this three, you know, three or four more times, like, it's just, it's all the little things that add up, which is, it's, it's so fun. Like looking back on this stuff, even though it can be like an open wound sometimes. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, the, um, the style of play, here we are, we're thinking, man, if they would have just had Antonio Davis, which, I, I agree with at that time if if he would have been part of that rotation, um, it, you know, it would have 
would have helped the Pacers, but <laughs> had they been playing differently and, and more like the modern game, you're right. They had all the pieces to uh, run them around the gym. But also, I think it just comes down to Shaq being incredible because we guarded Kobe extremely well. I mean, Kobe only shot 36, 36% from the field, uh, and but Shaq just 38 and 17 for the series. I'll just never get over that, man. That's, oh, God. The amount of times that Dale has his has his hand right in his face or Rick is standing right in front of him and he, he just had that little turnaround hook shot it was so effective in that series but oh man I'm having a little bit of PTSD uh let's <laughs> let's move on what's your number two Alex yeah so this is the big one I'm sure you guys are wondering why it's not number one but my number two is what if the brawl doesn't happen Ooh. and I'm not sure if that's on your list or not or if that's just too obvious of a choice but you know, I mean, obviously, everybody's like, well, what would have happened if the brawl doesn't happen? And personally, you know, you could think, well, they could have beat the Pistons, but do they? I mean, it's still good. It's still up in the air, but it would have been awesome to see that Pacers team completely healthy with Ron on the squad, you know, for the, uh, for the playoffs. And it really would have just changed things for Rick Carlisle, too, because, you know, he gets fired, uh, I believe it was the following year, after the following year. So he only got one more year after the brawl year. So if he's able to like take the Pacers to uh, an NBA Finals once again, I highly doubt that uh, Rick Carlisle is fired. So the whole brawl thing, excuse me, just kind of changed the whole trajectory of that 2000s you know era, and we went from a team that was going to be able to be in conference finals year after year to a team that went to a rebuild mode with a horrible coach and Jim O'Brien. Yeah, yeah, and it would help too if we didn't uh, if we didn't have to trade Stephen Jackson and Al Harrington for Troy Murphy and Mike Dunleavy. That uh, yeah. don't forget <laughs> Ike Diago and Keith McLeod. Oh yes, how can I forget those two? <laughs> My bad. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's uh yeah that that whole season is just uh obviously it's a black spot on history for the, for the team, but it, you know I I stay pr- I stay pretty active in, in outside the Pacers community as well, and I think. Uh, a lot of people who aren't from Indiana or who aren't part of the Pacers fan base don't don't recognize uh, how strong that team really was in 0304. Oh yeah, I yeah. Mean, just I mean, look what they did to the Pistons that that game. What they were doing to the Pistons. Oh, they were eviscerating them. The season. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, it was their time, and, and you know it just all went away right then. And then you know I I still think they may have come back and. and been able to recover, but then, you know, they had so much other stuff going on off the court um, in in the preceding year, and, and you had the Club Rio Trio shootout with Stephen Jackson getting flipped over a car, you know, Tinsley was not Always a reliable there. guy, I mean, and, you know, Artest ends up having his, his uh, you know, record or his, uh, you know, the the female recording app he wants to get out and and publish. And, you know, it's just all this garbage that happened after that. You know, it was like, wait a minute, you could they they never had a chance to recover from that at all, uh, um, because there was so much other BS going on, and, and that that's what really precipitated them having to to end up trading those guys and and. And then we got the J.O.B. era. Yeah. The, yeah. the Murph Levy J.O.B. <laughs> <Murph laughs> <What> a- <laughs> I'm glad that I was not as attentive to basketball because I was in like fourth grade at that time. So that uh, that definitely helped out. But uh, 
Yeah, just one one kind of funny thing I want to take off that so we don't leave on a bad note with that. Uh, I, I think my favorite Ron Artest story, um, it's not from when he was a Pacer, when he was a Bull, uh, his rookie year. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember who the Bulls GM is at that time. Uh, that tells you how old I am because that's, I feel like it's an easy one to know. Um, but anyways. Jerry Krause. Yeah, it was Jerry Krause, Jerry Krause. Um, but anyways, Ron uh, – Applied to, I think it was it was Circuit City because he he saw yep. you can get a uh, you can get a fifty percent off discount or something like that. And even though Ron making this crazy amount of money as a first round draft pick, he's like, well, I want that discount. And so Jerry Krause gets a call from from Best Buy because he applies to Best Buy too. And the uh, um, the the manager calls. I'm calling about a Ron Artest on Jerry Krause's phone. He's like, who the hell is this? Like, you know, it's, it's isn't funny. <laughs> Hang up the phone. He's like, no, Ron Artest. He, he he put you down as his contact. And that's so he has to call up Ron and tell him that he's not allowed to go out and apply for jobs anymore. But I just always think that one's pretty priceless and is a little, little telling of the kind of guy that Ron was. That is that is hysterical. And what's funny is we were talking about you know the top thirty pacers on our podcast. Me and uh, Ken Sterling. And he said as soon as Ron was traded to the Pacers, he said it was literally like the day or the day after the trade had happened. He said he was driving downtown, and he sees some guy walking downtown with an Artest jersey on. And he's like, how did they get a jersey so fast? You know, the trade just happened. He said he, he stops and he's, as he's driving down and just glances over, and he said, you wouldn't believe it, but there he was. Ron Artest is walking down downtown Indianapolis, rocking his own new Pacers jersey after just getting traded. And I thought that was a that was a hysterical story. I just <laughs> what a crazy guy, right? Man, that is priceless. So, all right, I gotta go for uh, for my second one. Um, yeah, let's hear it. So, yeah, yeah, my second one. I debated putting it number one, uh, but my second one is what if Danny Granger never got injured? That's a good one. Which it hurts to talk about, but uh, is my favorite Pacer player of all time. I still don't know if that team is good enough to 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 win the finals, but I think that you know if, if a full on Danny with with PG, David West, Roy before Roy wasn't Roy, and um, and George Hill. I mean that that's the best starting five in, in the league, and I think arguably even without Danny healthy, we had the best starting five in the league for that year long stretch. Um, that I mean, with that extra scoring option, like who defends that? There's nobody else on on the Heat is going to be defending a big wing like that. Either PG or Danny's getting a, a pretty good mismatch. I mean, because if, if you think about it, like just think about the size in that lineup. I mean, Lance would probably be the six man still, but you have I mean, PG six eight or six nine playing the two with Danny at the three and David at the four. I mean, that would have been just the defense even more so would have been just that much crazier, and the offense would have been that much better as well. Because I mean, Danny was part of one of the better offenses that the teams had, and. and and 11-12, that was the best offense, I believe, that we've had until this past year. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, just a, definitely a, a crazy one to think about. And, unfortunately, things didn't work out for him. He was a great dude. But, yeah, what do you guys think on that one? Yeah, you feel bad for Danny because, personally, you know, he goes through all those years where they're in rebuild and he never gets a real chance to compete for anything. And then once he finally does, he's hurt. So you feel devastated for him. But what's really interesting is I was listening to David West on a podcast about six, seven months ago. And when he was talking about, you know, his time with the Pacers and why he chose Indiana, he said when he sat down with Larry Bird to, you know, talk with him, the the plan was to start him along with Danny and Paul and Roy. But what was funny is they were going to start Lane Stevenson at the point guard position when they had talked about their plans and bring George Hill off the bench. That was kind of what they were thinking. And if you, if you go back and just listen, you know, you can hear 
Larry talk a lot about Lance's passing ability and how he's kind of like a, a bigger point guard out there on the floor. And another guy that talked about Lance's ability to, you know, pass the ball and he was kind of like a point guard was Slick Leonard. So you can kind of see where that organization really thought that Lance could be more of a one. And I know that that probably wouldn't have worked, but I thought that was a little interesting tidbit because that's kind of what intrigued him was playing with Danny, was playing with Paul, and was playing with Lance at the one. Now, I, I think we can say it's safe to say that Lance probably wore on David West nerves a little bit throughout his tenure there. <laughs> but, you know, if, if Granger's healthy and you can bring Lance off the bench, I mean, that definitely makes that team deeper. And that 2011-2012 team, Lance Stevenson wasn't even a part of the rotation. So it, it would have really helped things out. And then they never really have to go – Evan Turner, which I think a lot of fans would have been grateful for if they never had to see that guy in a Pacers uniform in their history. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, they already, as it was, gave the Heatles all they could handle uh, for two years there. If they would have had a healthy Granger, I mean, that definitely could have put them over the edge without a doubt. And it, it was, you know, Granger at that point had, had you know, acquiesced and, and realized, you know, his role with with PG and everything, he wasn't going to be the man necessarily, and he—I think mm-hmm. he was fine with that role. I mean, they would, they would have coexisted fine, and maybe he would have helped. I mean, maybe that would have helped PG later on, uh, you know, be a number one guy. But who knows? But um, if they could have got over the hump over, over Miami, also, you know, think about that. But uh, yeah, that's interesting about about Lance. There's no doubt, Larry was uh, the. Uh, Biggest cheerleader for Lance in the organization never worked out, but um, as far as Granger, I, I I love the guy as well as as, as you said, Mark. Because um, I you know I really was going to get into covering the, those bad teams with O'Brien, and and he was the <laughs> the one bright spot, not the one bright spot, but he was he was definitely the the guy on those teams, and and he you know basically gave up his career at that point because. Um, you know, his knees at that point. Of course, I go back also to when they drafted him at 17, there were, were, were red flags with his knees, and that ended up shortening his career, I believe. But um, if if they were able to stay healthy and if, if he was a, a key cog in that team, exactly what Alex said. I mean, he what they were hoping to get out of, out of Evan Turner was what Danny had, you know, was at, at some point. Uh, you know, a threat on the wing, a, a guy who was multidimensional. He could play the D. I mean, that that team was so low with length defensively. It was such a, a, a strong team at that end of the floor. And, I mean, he just would have boosted it, I think, over the edge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's very hard to disagree with that. Um, so moving into your number one, Alex, who do you have there? Or, I mean, what do you have? Set. It's a it's a perfect segue into the Danny Granger being injured because that left a vacant spot at the wing, and you know we infamously drafted Kawhi Leonard at fifteen and traded him for George Hill. <laughs> Imagine if we end up keeping Kawhi Leonard, who was reportedly on the Pacers' big board at number six, and they were completely shocked that he was going to be there at fifteen. Imagine if the Pacers decide to draft Kawhi Leonard, they don't get George Hill in all this, but they get a guy to play alongside Danny Granger and Paul George and someone, you know, that I think 
might not have become who he is today if he doesn't go to San Antonio, but still, if he's thrown into the mix with an injured Danny Granger, you know, you're looking at a really, really competitive Pacers team and a healthy Kawhi, even in his second year in the NBA, would have been much better than, you know, looking at Lance playing law, uh, you know, playing side by side with George Hill and Paul George. No offense to Lance or George Hill, but you're talking former finals MVP Kawhi Leonard, uh, two time defensive player of the year. That guy would have changed things drastically. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's actually funny enough. That is my number one as well. Um, <laughs> I, I thought about this one a lot. That's, uh, I, I mean, because who, who plays the one? I mean, I guess you could have Lance staying there and playing the one, but or we Darren resigned Collins Darren Collison. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's a really well, interesting you make it the trade. Yeah, it is really interesting to look at. I think it would, uh, it would be a, a very different team. Um, oh yeah. I think. But then, see, but it's different though, because I look at it as like, would would having PG and Kawhi there together uh, hinder their one another's growth, or hinder one one or the other, or like, how how does that work? Because obviously, we know. I mean, PG came on in his career much earlier than Kawhi did. Um, right. I mean, at least as an offensive guy. I mean, Kawhi was already a huge impact defender by like his second or third year, and his offense came along a little bit after. And part of that you could argue is because of his role with the Spurs, but. I don't know. It's just, it's definitely, I mean, there's so, this is why it's the number one. There's so many questions that come up with it and uh, ways it could have impacted the franchise. Absolutely. This is, uh, you know, for the, kind of, I mean, I kind of feel like we're, we're covering the modern era here for the, for the Pacers. And, and um, in hindsight, I mean, it's a no brainer, <laughs> you know, um, but all the things you bring up, you know, it seems like the Spurs get a lot of credit for Kawhi's development, but, you know, is that really fair to Kawhi? Um, I, you know, I think PG, so at that point he had gone through, um, you know, his, his issues with J.O.B. would come out on the other end as, you know, he, I have heard him admit this, but I don't think he wants to admit, you know, I mean, the fact that J.O.B. made him play defense, turned him into the two-way superstar that he is. So, um, that gets glossed over a lot, uh, because he wasn't. You know, no one really talked about his defense that much when he was drafted. But you get those two guys, and let's you know figure out the point guard later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you that's know? a good I point. Mean, that, that really what, what it comes down to. I mean, I love George Hill, and at the time it seemed like a perfect fit, good move um, to bring him in. And I mean, the Spurs were so, um, yeah, they they really topped up George a lot too. So. Um, I don't know if in hindsight maybe that was <laughs> an effort to make sure they were able to deal him or what. But, I mean, he, he was great here, and, you know, he played a, a good role. But, you know, I mean, the dynamic um, impact that Kawhi could have had here, it, you know, if he developed at, at the same rate or even close, um, would have been incredible. So that is a fantastic what if that um, – you know, it in hindsight, like we say, it's it, it's a no brainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, uh, man. It just brings up a lot of memories. It's weird to think about. And also speaking on George Hill, this is totally unrelated to the Pacers, but you guys remember how uh, he he gets traded to Utah and he just has that wild like, he, yeah. I'm, I pull it up right now. He scores his career high in points, seventeen points per game, on like forty eight forty splits, like out of nowhere. 
at age 30. I'll never forget. That was one of the weirdest things ever. And then he gets that massive deal in Sacramento that uh, he's still on to this day. I think it's like $18 million a year. But uh, yeah, uh, it's just the way that that whole, uh, you know, 11, 12 to 13, 14 team uh, came together and uh, split off at the end. I think that's uh, that in itself is the biggest what if in Pacers history. Um, just the way that that, I mean, you could argue the, what if Paul George never gets injured? That's a big what if we yeah, bring it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because you can uh, – I don't know. There's just so many questions that come in with it. But mainly, I just want to say thank you guys for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking with you all, and uh, I'm sure everybody else is going to have enjoyed hearing some of the stories we had to share. Um, thank you guys for listening. If you have not already, please subscribe rate and review on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Uh, check out our articles on IndieCornrows.com. Uh, listen to Alex over at Setting the Pace. And uh, just thank you. Have a good rest of your day and stay safe out there, Pacers fans.